we'll, we'll see, we can sing the song, we can take away all the lyrics, and then also take away all the music, and perform a different song altogether. Today on From A to Ziggy, Be My Wife. Welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast where we listen to every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order. My name is Thomas. And I am Travis. And today we're discussing Be My Wife from the album Low, 1977. A, uh, a marriage proposal. How nice. Mm, yes. Such a not at all dark love song. What an optimistic title. Yeah. Right? This is one of those like wonderful cases of what you ex- you see a title of a song and you expect it to be one thing and it is nothing like that at all. Yeah, those are the best kinds of songs. Yeah, like uh, like like for for example, off the top of my head, so cheap trick. Like a lot, like they're like super like power pop. So like a lot of the songs have these like titles that look like they could be like really super corny love songs, like. Um, Heaven Tonight sounds like it would be like this like super schmaltzy like oh, I'm in heaven tonight kind of thing. Yeah. And it's this like dark rock song. Uh, do the words go there is no god in heaven tonight? Um the chorus is just him over and over like would you like to go to heaven tonight? Where it's like is this like sexual? Is this like murderous? Like <laughs> really dark sounding song. So I love that kind of stuff. I love songs that sound like they're going to be schmaltzy and corny, and then they end up being a lot more screwed up. And then when you dive into the backstory of this song, it's just even more kind of like sad and dark. So let's dive into the backstory. Let's dive right into the backstory of this song. Yeah, so Be My Wife. It's about Angie Bowie, who was already his wife at the time. Yeah, uh, it's basically he, he is on the verge of divorce. Yeah, that, that marriage was ending... Um, so this song, it, it feels like this last plead. Kind of. But also kind of not. It's got this really, this strong sense of ennui. Like this uh, weariness uh, with the world, with traveling, with people altogether. And being so lonely. Uh, getting so, Sometimes you get so lonely, he says at the beginning. And then I've been everywhere. I've lived everywhere and I've left every place. Been there, done that. Yeah. And th- yeah, the interesting point that they brought up on the uh, on Bowie songs is basically how a lot of those lines, you feel like they're going to go one way, and then they do not go that way. Like when he says... Yeah, like it's about to get schmaltzy. Yeah, I've been everywhere, and you expect him to talk about the but glories just... he's seen, these wonderful places. <laughs> it's like, I've been to all these places, and I've left them. But none of them compare to you, right? Or like, I'm, I, but I came back to you, and I just... I, all, the best... Home is where the heart is. Things like that. You know, yeah. Sappy, when, sentimental things like that. But no. No, it's any anywhere but here is where the heart is. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Or just like, and then and then the stay with me, uh, share my life. It doesn't really sound, it doesn't sound convincing. He sounds kind of dead inside as he sings. He does. Song. He doesn't, there's not really a lot of inflection in his voice at all in any of the song, really. It is yeah. all just very... Not completely monotone, but very, it's very dry, mm-hmm. his delivery in this song. Yeah. Which is kind of a, a theme from this album. I mean, the, only, the, the other song we spoke about on this album was very, yeah, similar thing. Just very flat. Uh, uh, always crashing in the same car. Yeah. Where he's like almost talking yeah. for most of it. Yeah. 
which so subsequent and it, it might have been a symptom of the time for Bowie. And he was going through a pretty rough time, getting clean, recovering from addiction. And uh, subsequent live performances of this song, you know, there's a lot more range, ranginess yeah. to the vocals. So it might have just been the mood he was in at the time. A lot of these lyrics, a lot of these vocals, he kind of laid down after the songs had been recorded. And he just sort of comes up with a thing to sing on the day of and sings it that day. But it's a pretty short song. It is. As, again, along with the, the theme of this album, the, the, a lot of the songs on low are very short. Super short. I mean, this is super short. There's, there's one chorus and one verse, and each one is repeated, and that's it. Yeah. It's, it's eight lines. Very, far cry from his uh, very verbose station to station, as we mentioned on Always Crashing the Same Car. Very... Just very sparse lyrics. Thematically, it's about uh, you know relationships, travel, feeling uprooted, feeling a little just very weary. Yeah, just just yeah. There was it really was a lot going on at that time. So he is probably just, just mentally exhausted by the time this album is being recorded. And and I mentioned my opinion of uh, the delivery is that he he doesn't seem genuine. He doesn't seem like he really means be my wife, you know, share my life. Like he, he seems kind of bored with the whole idea of marriage. And so he was interviewed in 1977 by Michael Walsh in Melody Maker. And uh, Walsh asks him, was it genuinely anguished or were you being tongue in cheek? And Bowie's response is, it was genuinely anguished, I think. But he says it, it could be about anybody, anybody. It's, you know, it's not necessarily... Bowie pleading to Angie to stay married or like to keep up keep up the relationship. I think the the marriage was, you know, on its last legs. I, yeah, I don't think he was. I, it doesn't strike me as like a real plea. You know, it seems, and not even tongue in cheek. That's not really the way I'd describe it. It just seems so depressed. I don't know. It just seems so flat. Yeah, and that's kind of the vibe that the video puts out too, where he just. Kind of looks that video, man. Yeah, he's he looks like he's just there because someone said to be there. Yeah. So when I first saw it, it's weird. This video and Heroes kind of mirror each other. Uh, this one's just got a stark white background and just Bowie, you know, full body shots and then occasional close ups, and then the Heroes video is just a stark black background with single light on him, and mostly full body shots and then uh, some close-ups. When I saw this video for the first time, it, it was deeply uninteresting to me because he's got these, he's this terrible wardrobe, this awful polyester dad shirt, these oh, bell bad. bottoms, the sandals, and he looks sickly. Like he looks just He looks like a man who's detoxing. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently this was all part of the act. He's got this guitar, he's got his guitar plugged in, the little cord kind of coils away off screen, and uh, he kind of mimes along with with the guitar solo, but not really. Yeah, you get, he's just like losing interest as it goes along. He, and he kind of lip syncs with the words, but not really. It's kind of like 
this video and Heroes, they both seem like, you know, we're not going to really pay too much attention to matching the movements of your lips or your fingers to the music, because nobody's going to really pay close attention to this, and nobody's going to notice that they don't match up, really. Little did they know that little 20-year-old twerps like me would be <laughs> scrutinizing it on DVD frame by frame to make sure that things lined up. But it just didn't, it, it just seems so dead, you know, so flat and so incongruous with what was ostensibly the message of the song. It's, it's a proposal song. It's a marriage song. It's supposed to be happy, right? Um, but he's got this tacky orange and orange shirt. <laughs> orange and slightly different orange. <laughs> vertical stripes. You can't, you can't go wrong with two shades of orange. You can never go wrong with two shades of orange. But one thing that finally made this make sense was an observation by the artist and performer Momus, whom we previously encountered, who did a cover of uh, African Night Flight. And it was mentioned in... Hugo Wilkins' 33 and a third entry on the album Love. Um, while I'm looking for this, do you have anything else to say about Be My Wife? Unlike a lot of the other stuff on Love, this is more of an easily digestible rock song. Yeah, yeah, right. it's it's yeah, it's pretty straightforward. It's got a pop structure versus yeah. chorus, verse, chorus. Yeah, in live version, it sounded great. And it, it, yeah, yeah, you did kind of add a little bit more to it vocally. It just it. David Bowie in 2003 was in a much better place than David Bowie in 1977. And it, it showed. Right. Um, here we go. Here's a very long quote in full from Momus concerning the video. And this kind of puts it into context and makes it a little bit, makes it a lot more interesting, actually. It says, I think what's really unusual about it is the half-heartedness, uh, the clumsiness. It's basically a rock video featuring a Pierrot act. We mentioned the Pierrot from Ashes to Ashes. Um, a mime sketch of a rock star making a rock video, yet too comically glum and sulky to go through the required hoops and lacking the necessary gung-ho conviction. 99% of rock videos have full throttle conviction. Conviction turned up to 11. But here, <laughs> Bowie mimes a desultory half-heartedness with deft physical theater. The character, because it really isn't Bowie, it's a fellow, a sad sack, a thin-lipped melancholic, makes to play his guitar and gives up halfway through the phrase. He just can't be bothered. So that makes this video a lot more interesting to yeah. think of it as, to, to notice that makeup, that that's what's really made it look made him look so emaciated to me, is, is that there's sort of rings around his eyes and his lips do look very thin. Yeah. I think that makes him look skinnier. And yeah, he's just so sulky. He's just, it's, and it is comical when you think about it because once you, once you realize that, that that's not, that's clearly not the image that Bowie presents on stage or anywhere else. This is, this is a very different kind of thing. And I just thought, you know, being a young Bowie fan, when I first saw this video, oh, he's like out of his mind, not, not knowing like the full story, the, the chronology of things. This must be... Bowie at the in the depths of his uh, depraved addiction spiral, but really it's quite the opposite. Yeah, and it almost created the idea of the the anti video, which was a thing that kind of became more of a popular thing towards the '90s when bands kind of had that kind of a weariness towards. They're a little bit more leery about music videos. They did them because they had to to feed the machine, but they kind of wouldn't always go out of their way to make it look like they're actually playing their music or. 
like the um, first thing that pops into my mind, I feel like there's probably better video idea uh, options too, but the first one that pops in my head was like Undone the Sweater Song, where they're just like basically doing like a Chinese fire drill by the end of the video and not really even trying to give the appearance that they're playing their instruments. I was watching a video by the police recently where they just seemed not altogether concerned with looking like they were performing. Um, oh, was it, uh... It's the one where they're on an airfield. It might be all the police videos for all I know. <laughs> uh, was it like everything she off. does? Every little thing? Were they like in the recording studio for I part of that it? that one. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't that. It was a different one from their first album. Um, and actually, even this isn't technically a music video, but um, kind of reminds me of when uh, Nirvana was on top of the pops and uh, they were supposed to be miming out Smell Like Teen Spirit. And they basically just decided they were going to troll top of the pops. And like Kurt wasn't even like he was kind of like half pretending to play the guitar, like wasn't really moving his hands at the fretboard, just doing these like very wooden mo movements and doing like almost like a croony version of it, singing even though he wasn't supposed to be. And it was just very consciously making fun of the process. Uh, there was a great Beck video from Top of the Pops too. So the, the thing with British TV, when you do perform music performances, is you, you can't strictly mime. You have to perform the song. So it has to be a, a real live performance of the song, but it can also be pre-taped. So you can mime along to a pre-taped studio version of the song. At least I think that's how it works. And so that's what most people did was, you know, you just, you'd go into a studio and record a new version of the song and then mime along with that song. Uh, there's a great Beck video. I think it was Loser. And I don't want to play the audio here. I want to mute it, but I want to bring it up just to see. Oh yeah, okay. The, so he's got all these old guys. <laughs> <laughs> All these 70, 80 year old guys. Oh, this is brilliant. Playing the instruments along with the recording of Loser that he's kind of lip syncing to. Um, but yeah, so it fits into with that anti, anti video where you do what you have to do to promote the song, but you're not really, your heart's not really in it. Your heart's not in it. Sorry, so you, what were you... Well, I, I, I was thinking, cause maybe it's just because of the all-white, it kind of reminded me of the old Stone Temple Pilots video for Big Bang Baby. Um, the video was, they, they say it's just supposed to make fun of early music videos in general, just how very sparse it is. There's even one shot towards the end, and the camera's shooting up at Scott Weiland, and you can just see like all the lighting, rigs, and everything, because it's just meant to look like very low budget. And I was wondering if maybe that video had inspired... The Stone Temple Violets video, because I know he was super into Bowie. Yeah, right. Maybe this one and uh, Life on Mars, which also has just the stark white background. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe. Bowie said that uh, the song was heavily influenced by uh, Sid Barrett. In 2000, the New Music Express voted Bowie the most influential rock and roll artist of all time. And so they did a, an acceptance interview with him and asked him about Low. He said it was made in France, but it was under the influence of the Dusseldorf bands, Harmonia, Cluster, Neu, and Kraftwerk. It was the Liverpool or the Seattle of Germany. He said, Be My Wife owes a lot to Sid Barrett, actually. Not Floyd themselves, you understand. He was just as important to Boland, too. Bowling and me used to look up to him as the man, as the man in the late 60s. The fact that he didn't sing with an American accent was really important. Like, great, you can do rock and roll in English. 
So yeah, and we talked about English rock, Britishness mm -hmm. uh, in our last episode, being British. And he, again, in this one, he's got this the Cockney accent that he pulls out a little bit more strongly than in some other songs. Yeah, there's a lot of similarities between this and Battle for Britain. Again, you'd almost think that Bowie had it planned out that we'd talk about his songs in alphabetical it order. It does. Sometimes it feels that way. There's kind of an eerie confluence going on there. So, anything else to say about Be My Wife? Um, we just about covered it. Hmm. How about ratings? You know, in retrospect, I kind of regret only going three and a half with the last song, because last song's better than this song, but I think this song's better than a three. It's too late to I, go back. It is too late. You can't go back and change the past. Even though David Bowie is a time traveler. Even though David Bowie is a time traveler. We are not. No. And if You're there's one thing I've time. learned... From having watched all of 11, 22, 63. So the past fights back. Oh, yeah. The past right. doesn't want you to change it. If I tried to go back and change my rating, something horrible would happen while I'm trying to do it. Yeah, I might get a cold last week. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I will give this, because it's not quite as good as the last one, but still pretty good. I'll give this 3.25 disinterested music videos. All right. I'll give it a three. I'll give it three disinterested music videos. It's a perfectly fine David Bowie song. And of course, we're, we're rating these as David Bowie songs. So a three is maybe a middle-of-the-road David Bowie song, but it's not a middle-of-the-road song. Right. It is an above-average song. I really like that honky-tonk piano at the beginning. I like the meandering guitar solo. That's, that's the next thing I was going to say, is I like that solo. I like the sparseness of the lyrics. The lyrics don't really figure into it very much. They're not that important to the song, but they give it kind of a flavor. They give it kind of a vague mood. And it all works together, and it makes a good song. It's not the best song on low. Three, what do I think about it? It's kind, of, it's kind of a pixie song. It's all right. Interesting. And then it does have like the, like the meandering guitars and the like kind of monotone delivery on the lyrics. It's just dry and short, a little repetitive. It's uh, yeah, it's a proto pixie song. It is a proto pixie song. Melody Maker called it a proto Weller song. I think that's Paul Weller from yeah, the, the Jam. Yeah, the Jam. I feel I think it feels more like the Pixies. Yeah, there were no Pixies when this. There was no Pixies when this came out. And I think this was still a little bit ahead of the Jam, but not by much. Jam was like late seventies. Oh, that's right. 80s. Yeah, no, this was two thousand. So there were Pixies when that came. That was the enemy. Called it a proto well. Oh well, I mean, I was thinking about like when the song came out. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, the wiki says he's kind of um, kind of like Bowie, a chameleon-like, yeah, or salamander-like recording artist. Well, anyway, uh, so we rated the song. Uh, any covers? Any other versions? Uh, uh, there's the, a couple of really good live versions on the internet. So I definitely recommend the one from a reality tour. Yeah, and uh, there's a live version on stage. Uh, which covers, I, which sounds like it has I think it's Dennis Davis again on drums and it sounds like he's got the harmonizer the eventide harmonizer so that effect being played live on the stage uh, is pretty cool that they could get that sound that really crazy robotic drum sound yeah played live and again Dennis Dennis Davis like using that and incorporating that sound into his playing and, and you know changing up the way he hits the snare to uh to get that sound dennis davis i feel like we do this every week where we have to we have to acknowledge the passing of some 
luminous figure in rock. Uh, of course, Dennis Davis passed away uh, recently, and there were some great tributes from other Bowie band members about his legacy and his, his time with Bowie. Of course, he was the uh, mentor of Sterling Campbell, another one of Bowie's drummers from the later years. A very sad loss. 2016, you Bad did it again. Year for music. You did it again. Let's hope this is the last time we have to bring up sad. Yeah. <laughs> sad God damn, it's only April. Events. All right, so if that's going to do it for Be My Wife, um, we've drawn all we could from Be My Wife. We've beaten a dead horse, but not beaten my wife. You can, you, you can, can definitely, beat, you can beat a drum, but you definitely should not beat your wife. <clears throat> you can beat a horse, but you can't beat a wife. You can beat a horse to water, but you can't make it your wife. And you can also <laughs> beat, you can beat your own drum, or you can go up to someone who has a drum. If you lack a drum, you can ask, can I beat on your drum? No, that's not the, that's, that's not the title of the song. <laughs> Sometimes you want someone to be your wife if you like the beat of their drum. Hey, baby, I like the beat of your drum. Be my wife. Is what no married person has ever said. This this is an awkward transition. This is an awkward transition. <clears throat> That's okay, because this is an awkward song. Beat of your drum is the thing I'm trying to get to saying without, <laughs> without changing any pronouns or uh, prepositions. Um, if you think you can transition that into beat of your drum better, contact us. Podcast on Facebook <laughs> or Facebook podcast at from a to ziggy.com. You can also, you can visit our website from a to ziggy.com and leave a comment on the page for this episode. What did you think of be my wife? Check us out on Friday when we're talking about beat of your drum. My name is Thomas. I'm Travis. Stay with me. Stay with me. Be my wife. <laughs> you just make it a singer line at the end. <laughs> Say it's true.